The Joker by Scott Leopold, Chapter 4, Diary Entry, January 12, 1978. Oh my God, I am several weeks late. My period is always on time, like clockwork. Debbie and I went to the drugstore to buy a test. Thank God she bought the pregnancy test for me. I can't imagine having to do it myself. We went straight back to Debbie's house only to confirm what I had thought. I'm pregnant. Why? Why me? I'm only 17. So many of my friends are having sex with their boyfriends. This didn't happen to them. I can't believe I'm pregnant. What am I going to do? I'm too young for this. I guess I can put it up for adoption or have an abortion. But I can't keep this baby. I want a future. I want to move to New York City and become a model. I have dreamed about this ever since I was old enough to remember. This cannot be happening. Journal entry, January 13th, 1978. Without Debbie, I don't know what I, I don't, I couldn't get through this. After making phone calls and staying up all night, we came up with a solution to the problem that's growing inside of me. The answer is Kentucky, the closest state to Indiana that will allow me to have an abortion without my mother's consent. As soon as we figure that out, we called the clinic and made the appointment for January 15th, two days from now. Debbie has agreed to take me like the true friend she is. Since there's no way we can tell the truth, we will tell both our parents we will be spending the day shopping at Glendale Mall. Journal entry, January 14th, 1978. I don't know why I wrote a letter to my mother explaining what I was about to do, but I did it anyway. I put the letter in my drawer beside my bed for safekeeping. There was no way I was going to give it to her immediately. But writing about my feelings and thinking about how I got myself into this mess in the first place made me feel better. The letter gave details about my plan for the abortion, my love for her, and how sorry I was to disappoint her. Later that night, Debbie and I were watching The Sound of Music at her house when the phone rang. It was my mother. She was sobbing hysterically, telling me she had found the letter. She said she was on her way to pick me up. I had to wonder, did I want her to find out about my plan so she could stop me? No, there's no way in hell I wanted that. She was just being nosy as usual and found it hidden in my room. While I waited for her to arrive, I wondered how she would react when she saw me. Was she gonna be furious or would she be supportive of my decision? Was I feeling a sense of relief because she knew? God, I don't even know. I guess deep down, I want my mother to know and approve of me. She's all I have. I need her desperately. But surely she wants me to have a life, to finish high school and go to college. She will agree that having the abortion is the best choice. I just know it. When my mother got to Debbie's house, she didn't bother to come in. Instead, she honked her horn. She didn't say a single word on the way home. When we pulled into the driveway, she broke her silence, telling me how late it was, how I needed my rest. She then walked me to my room and said goodnight. To my surprise, she hugged me and sobbed. Oh my God, she understands, I thought. 
Cindy, you will not be going to Kentucky tomorrow with Debbie or anyone else. I will not allow you to have this abortion. What? You can't stop me. I will have this done whether you like it or not. It's my body, my choice. My mother told me that my only options would be to keep the baby or to put it up for adoption. She didn't even bother to ask who the father was. I'm sure she assumed it was my boyfriend, Sam. I will call Sam's mother to discuss this matter, she said. I lost it. Sam doesn't know about the baby, and I'm not even sure it's his anyway. Oh, my God, I I wish I had never told her that. There won't be a baby anyway, so Sam doesn't need to know, I continued. My mother broke down and cried. Then she shouted to no one in particular, Where did I go wrong? Diary entry, January 15th, 1978. I crept out of the house this morning before my mother woke. Debbie picked me up in her mom's car and we left for Kentucky. I was quiet for most of the ride, knowing my mother would be furious with me when she found out what I had done. When we got to the clinic, all I could hear were protesters yelling and shouting. I was so nervous, I couldn't make out what they were saying. It just all sounded like white noise. At the front of the clinic, there were a line of angry faces shouting, murderer. They begged me to save the tiny life that was growing inside me. Ignoring them, I went inside without making eye contact with anyone. The waiting room walls were pea green. Perhaps the intent was meant to be soothing, but I found it nauseating. Picking up an outdated magazine, I tried to concentrate on it, just to shut out the background noise and the sound of my mother's cries in my head. But try as I might, I could not tune out the thoughts or the offbeat jazz music that was blaring incessantly from the speaker next to my chair. Suddenly I felt like an 800-pound gorilla was sitting on my chest. I couldn't breathe. I wanted to get up and run, but where to? I looked around, trying to figure a way out. But deep down, I knew that there was no way I could escape my problem. It would follow me wherever I went. Looking back, if I hadn't fainted on my way home to school, I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't even know I was pregnant. That day, I fell flat on my face when just moments before I was chatting with Debbie. The sidewalk felt scratchy, like a Brillo pad beneath my face. I could taste the blood from a cut on my lip. As Debbie helped me to my feet, I thought about my favorite movie, The Prince's Bride, and the helpless heroine realizing her condition in a similar manner. What's wrong? Debbie asked. I didn't want to talk. I had a migraine, and the metallic taste of the blood was stickingly strong in my mouth. Suddenly, a light bulb went off in my head. My period was several weeks late. I'm pregnant. Cindy! The loud voice in the clinic jolted me back to the present. It was the nurse beckoning me with a synthetic smile. Somehow, I wobbled along behind her 
on rubbery legs. The nurse confronted me with a barrage of questions, then conducted a battery of tests. Eventually, I found myself spread on an examining table, legs drawn up, trying not to flinch from the doctor's probing fingers. I felt somewhat present, but not entirely. It was more like a dream that I was re-encountering the morning after a sound night's sleep. When I looked up, I saw three nurses with blank stares on their faces, deliberately hiding any feelings or thoughts they might have had about my decision. I thought about my baby never having a memory of life, never experiencing love or fear. Who am I to deny my baby these things? Like my mother said, it's not the baby's fault I got pregnant, but how can I love a child that's the product of something so awful? An odd revulsion had been growing in me ever since I suspected who the father could be. Somewhat perversely, when I could have used Sam's help, I wanted nothing to do with him. I could not understand it myself, but the feeling was so strong, so overpowering, that I could not fight it even if I wanted to. Maybe it's because deep down inside I know he's not the father. All these things were making me feel sick. I couldn't take it. I had to get out of there. I could feel my mother's presence hovering over me like a ghost. Where's that crying baby? I asked. The doctor gave me a peculiar look. There's no baby crying. Was I losing my mind? I tried to silence it, but I couldn't, but I could still hear the cries. I put my hands over my ears, but I couldn't shut out the sounds. I begged the doctor to stop. It's common to feel this way, but you need to relax. It will all be over in less than 15 minutes, he explained. All I could picture was my mother looking at me with disappointment in her eyes. I told the doctor I no longer wanted to have the procedure. He tried to calm me down. But my mind was made up. I was not going through with this. You have wasted my time. I hope you understand that you will still have to pay for this. The doctor explained. I didn't care how much it cost or what the consequences were. I wanted out of there. When I got back to the car, I told Debbie I couldn't go through with it. She held my hand as I cried all the way home. I wasn't ready to be a mother. Regret was now filling my stomach with fear and doubt. I felt like I had just made the biggest mistake of my life. life. Journal entry, January 16th, 1978. When I finally got home from the clinic, I couldn't stop crying. While I'm not ready to have a baby, I couldn't go through with the abortion. My mother has gotten her way without even trying. She has forced her will on me once again. Now she keeps asking whether I am 100% sure Sam is the father. I confirmed that I was sure Sam was the father, even though I knew deep down inside he wasn't. Sam is easy to explain to everyone because we have been seeing each other for almost seven months now. No one will question it, not even Sam. I met Sam at the Riviera Club 
my second home in the summer. I first noticed him at the snack bar. I recognized him from high school. He was a senior like me, great looking and popular. He had shaggy hair and blue eyes. Asking around, I found out that he had broken up with Barbara, the girl he had been dating off and on. I decided I, was, I would be his new girl. I went out of my way to make him notice me, wearing my cutest clothes and always making sure I had lip gloss and mascara. After I finally got his attention, he, he introduced himself. We instantly clicked and began to date. He is smart, kind, and most of all, fun. But as usual, I got bored quickly. Besides, what Sam didn't know wouldn't hurt him. Yes, Sam must be the father. He would be a good one. He is a hard worker in school, gets good grades, and works at the Nora Bowling Alley on the weekends. He has told me about his dream of going to the police academy like his father and grandfather. Most guys our age have no plan for their life. I know Sam will be a good provider for our baby and me. The thought of making a life with him brings me some comfort, even though in many ways I truly feel like my life is over. Journal entry, March 1st, 1978. I told him, like I thought, Sam was floored. He stared at me with a blank look on his face. I told him I needed his help. That's when the seriousness of my situation hit him. His facial expression dropped. Then his body sort of closed in on itself, revealing his true feelings. After a long pause, he shook his head slowly. Did you lie about being on birth control? That pissed me off. I laid in him hard, telling him not to even think this baby wasn't his. What about Mike Salinger? He asked. That's crap. You are the only person I have slept with in the past seven months. I yelled and stormed off the porch. Following me, he grabbed my arm, pulled, pulled me away, telling him to get his hands off of me. He let me go. Look, I wasn't expecting this. I'm sorry. I'll be there for you and the baby. I trumped up a few tears as Sam pulled me closer to him. He assured me he would figure this out together. Journal entry, April 12, 1978. Sam asked me to marry him today. He took me to the El Matador, my favorite restaurant. It's a dive, but they serve the best Mexican food in town. Flacco, the bartender, is always willing to serve me a strong margarita without asking for ID. God knows I wanted one today. Considering my condition, I ordered a Coke instead. It's spring now, and after the hard winter we just endured, it seemed everyone in the city was out walking the Broad Ripple Strip. Hoosiers always get overexcited about spring. It could be 50 degrees out, and they're dressed in shorts and flip-flops. Sam subtly reached into his pocket and pulled out a little red box. Cindy, I know this is not what either of us expected or planned, but I have loved you from the first moment I laid my eyes on you. 
how cliche I thought. We've had our difficulties, but there have been way more good times than bad. I know we are young, but I also know you're the one. Will you marry me? I couldn't believe what I heard. Weren't these the words I wanted to hear? My mother would be happy, but would I? Is this what I really want? To be a wife and mother? There is one thing I know for sure, and that it's that I cannot raise this baby alone. A part of me loves Sam, so I convinced myself that we could make this work. When I finally said yes, Sam walked around the table. In front of everyone, he placed the diamond ring on my finger. Two couples sitting next to us raised their margarita glasses and yelled, Salute! My ring is nice, not something I would have chosen, but it's still simple and pretty. As the night went on, Sam continued to assure me that all would be fine, that we would make it work, especially since he had his parents' blessing. Sam was talking a mile a minute about his plans for our future. I knew marrying Sam was the best option for me and my baby. It would keep my mother off my back and keep the local gossip to a minimum, even though deep down inside I knew I was making yet another mistake.